This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse. And I'm David, that Burroughs guy. Or this or in this case, uh, the, I'm Captain Hook. <laughs> or this Jeremiah Kleckner, uh, uh, Jeremy Marshall. Yes, Jeremy Marshall, Jeremiah Kleckner. Uh, <laughs> and we, you suggested we check out this book that uh, was a modern book. What's this? Uh, this is a very contemporary book, Captain James Hook and the Curse of Peter Pan. And it and- is the story of Captain Hook from his point of view. Yeah, and uh, I was skeptical, but um, I like the length. It's nice and short, so like five hours, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, a little under six, yeah. And it's actually really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a, you, you would think that uh, doing a takeoff on a well-known property like that, there's always the possibility it's just going to be dreadful. But this it was just wonderful, I thought. It just yeah. was just absolutely compelling from first page to last. And yeah. uh, it was not a kid's book. Well, I you mean, could I, read it to kids, but it's not a kids' book. It's uh, it's more yeah, like yeah. in the in the in the tradition of Harry Potter. It's something that adults can enjoy just as well as kids. There's something for everybody here. You know what I I think is it actually ties into you know Peter Pan is supposed to, the the play mm-hmm. is supposed to be enjoyed by kids mm-hmm. and the parents go there and they enjoy that the kids are enjoying it right right but, right but it's not like uh, it's meaty. You know the jokes aren't for the kid, uh, aren't for the adults, um, but that is exactly uh, sort of the the starting point for this book, which is um, Peter Pan is just a child, and his childish irresponsibilities uh, mean that he because he's the boy who never grew up. Mm-hmm. It's um, yeah, it it's the starting point, and so. Irresponsibility with great power. You know, there's a Twilight Zone episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's great fantasy. It's great fantasy. Well, I got to say, I did take some time to try to start reading the original J.M. Barry, Peter Pan. Mm -hmm. And from the get-go, from the first paragraph, I realized this is not the Broadway musical Peter Pan. This is not Mm -hmm. the children's story. It is written for adults. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is a very – well, of course, 100 years ago, people's – uh, vocabularies were a lot better than they are today. It's true. But uh, even so, if you, within a, a paragraph or two of reading Peter Pan by Barry, you realize that this is to be enjoyed by adults just as much, if not more so, than kids. It's mm-hmm. it's a world for adults, but it's a world where very strange things happen just in a very commonplace, uh, matter-of-fact way. The fact that he's talking about within the first chapter, he talks about, and uh, they were very poor, so uh, in order to engage a nana, they got a dog. Right. You know? And they're na- and of course, on Broadway, there's this big fluffy uh, guy in a dog suit going around woof-woof and, and being doggy, doggy-ish, but you never really get the sense that this is their nanny. 
Mm-hmm. And the dog is a nanny. And just given that, that uh, they're poor, so they have to engage this big St. Bernard dog as a nanny, and uh, they take it from there. And uh, and uh, the uh, the little in-jokes about uh, about uh, how you do your numbers and this and that is uh, – it's uh, it, it strikes me very much in the same line as uh, Alice in Wonderland, actually, mm-hmm. in that, that there is an awful lot to be appreciated here that is not going to uh, be appreciated by a 10-year-old. Well, what's interesting in my research is I found that Barry, you know, he he didn't figure it out all at once and just write it all in a, in a novel, right? He he workshopped it for a long time. You're an actor. You, you know how this works. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah, very much. And uh, Peter Pan uh, is the central character, but Hook was not in the play originally, right? He he was uh, in front of the curtain sort of character. Oh, wow. Uh, I didn't know that. I didn't yeah. Know that. And, wow. And <clears throat> kids love pirates, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so as, as he saw them responding to that, he incorporated – I mean, you can't have a, a great story without a – a cool conflict in which, you know, there's a baddie who's, you know, always being foiled. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. When, when you start looking at it like, geez, you know, this kid does kidnap other kids, Peter Pan. Yes. Um, takes th- them that's kind of monstrous, yeah, right? <laughs> takes them away to this uh, island where there's no medical care and no nannies and no, no discipline. And, and they get into adventures. And uh, uh, the Kleckner-Marshall version, they actually go a little deeper into that. Well, what happens when a kid gets injured? Oh, sometimes we let him die. Sometimes <laughs> we, you know, and what happens when the kid gets old? Oh, we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> there is a second book. Um, after this one, um, it, it, it ends actually quite nicely. I was worried that it was going to be a, uh, you know, you have to read the second book. Cliffhanger, uh-huh. Yeah, and then I was like, oh, damn it, because I want to be able to talk about it. But um, I think, it, it, although it does lead to the second book very obviously, yeah. um, it do, it actually does stand very well as sort of we're left in the, the almost the beginning of, where you know he's going to fly off to Wendy next, right? Right, right, right. It's like I'm uh, not sure the timeline works exactly, uh, but in Neverland, right? Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Time yeah, who knows how time works in Neverland? It, it right. does. Well, it's like Nana. If you want Nana to be a nanny uh, who's a dog, that's fine. And if the timeline works, it's a hundred years later. That can work equally as well it's just uh, it's a magic world it's taken for granted it's like harry potter in a lot of ways and uh and it may, may have been you may consider peter pan to have been the harry potter a hundred years ago wow it's it's i mean if harry potter becomes um as enduring as uh this it would be impressive because peter pan is is bigger than harry potter for its time very and, much and so yeah enduring hugely right i mean how many movies and i i was just looking on netflix and there's like yeah oh there's a tinkerbell show (laughs) yeah right 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 or they tried to do uh the hook with uh, dustin hoffman as captain hook and uh 
And uh, I think there's a new one in production as well. I believe, yeah. Well, there was one that just came out last year, uh, Pan, I think, or whatever, oh, and I didn't no, see that. Right. No. And of course, there's the Disney animated film, and uh, and uh, I'll, I'll just say up front, uh, the less we say about the better. I've never liked that. Uh, even as a kid, I didn't like it. Uh, really? It, really? I, I only see, I only saw it as a kid. I I gotta say, I rem- I remember my introduction to Pan was uh, uh, the Broadway version that was broadcast. Black and white. They wow. did several broadcasts of it, and I understand they are now finally they they located a kinney of the original. I, I mm-hmm. think it would have been fifty five or fifty four that they broadcast uh, the Broadway show essentially in black and white, and it was magical. It was absolutely magical. Several years later, when it was all the rage was color, they redid it in color with the same cast, but. The heart just wasn't there. Mm. So the color version is far inferior to the black and white, which was lost for many years. Nobody could locate a copy of it. But I, my, and I, I haven't seen it myself, but my understanding is now they have actually gotten a, a Kinney, and uh, you can go to Amazon and look up Peter Pan, mm-hmm. and you can get a package deal. I think they have both the black and white broadcast, the color broadcast, but the black and white one is the one to live for, the, where Cyril Richard as, as Hook was just relishing it. He was just loving it. And then and the second one in the black and white, he was phoning it in. He wasn't having fun anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's funny that you, you say you're not a fan of the, the Disney animated version, because when I was thinking about uh, how what, what a great role this is for you, uh, because Hook is, I mean, he's the fun villain to play, right? Absolutely. He's, he's bad, he's charming, but he's intelligent, he's smart, he's witty, he's formidable, he's, uh, he's everything every kid wants to grow up to be, I think. He's, he's the, ulti- he's the prototy- prototypical, this is what I get to do when I get to be an adult. I get to be right. bully, and I get to snap my fingers, and people... Leader, leader of men, yeah. Yeah, and uh, people have to do what I say, and we have great adventures. Adventures and uh, and uh, don't ever cross Daddy because Daddy's very strict. But uh, uh, it, it's a kid's vi- vision of what uh, what uh, the all powerful sure. adult would be. Sure, but uh, but even so, like um, I was thinking about like the way you, you've got that the the clipped sort of uh, I don't know Eton, Etonian style Etonian rod right, Oxbridge or whatever uh, right he didn't make it to Oxbridge yeah but he did go to Eton oh he was supposed to go to Eton he was raised to go to right. Eton but that's right life got in the well, way yeah, he's gonna get scholarship there yeah, right or or Pan got in the way yes yeah yes. so that 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 voicing I don't I don't know who did the voice in the uh, in the cartoon but that's the that's the dominant one in my mind and so when I was I was listening to this, and he starts off as a kid. He doesn't sound that way, but by the end, uh, you've got him. You know, he is the Peter Pan from my memory, or not the Peter Pan, the uh, the Captain the um, Captain Hook from my memory of that movie a million years ago. Right, and well, I and, will have to say that my model was Cyril Richard. Uh-huh. That was my model. A wonderful, wonderful actor. And actually, Pan was probably one of his biggest successes. Uh, another great one is if you're into musicals, uh, him and Anthony Newley and Roar of the Grease Paint, Smell of the Crowd. 
that he his, his mellifluous, just magnificent, resonant voice with mm-hmm. just dripping with erudition and uh, and uh, the musical is about it's about class struggle in England. It was in the '60s, and it was about the upper classes and how they lorded over the lower classes, which is kind of a a, a very parallel thing with Peter Pan mm-hmm. with uh, the upper class mommies and daddies and the uh, the peasant children, which uh, there, there's a lot of very interesting parallels there. But uh, for me, Hook has always been Cyril Richard. So Dustin Hoffman didn't come anywhere near for me. And uh, the, the, but the writing in uh, the Marshall Kleckner book, in the, in the Captain Hook book, is so good. It is so good. It's, for me, it was impossible to, uh, to not use the correct voice, even mm-hmm. from the beginning to the end where he transforms from just a kid into a very hardened guy. And uh, I know that I, as an actor, bring my, my gifts to bear on that, but I've got to give the writers a heck of a lot of credit because mm-hmm. they gave me so much to work with. It's not overwritten in so in in the way that almost all modern stuff is, you know, spelling it out in gory detail. I was I was thinking about how in the there there are a few scenes right where there's sort of key scenes that are are transformations from the original play or the you know the novelization of the play, and they are subtly twisted so that they remind us of exactly those scenes. Yes, and yet. And yet, they don't uh, overstate anything. So we don't get g- gory descriptions of of mental processes or gory descri- descriptions of su- everything suggested, and it's very subtle. Yes, and and, and I, I, I I was I mean that's why it's short. It's not because it's an incomplete book. It's short and it's only five hours because it is so tightly written it's incredibly terse it says all that needs to be said without overstating it as you've said i think i don't know how their writing partnership works but my understanding is i'm not sure if both but i know at least one is an english teacher yeah i saw um and maybe only both, other, but uh yeah what uh, i think it's jeremiah kleckner's his he's got only other books on amazon are uh you know how to inspire kids to uh, in, uh, learn yeah enjoy yeah. reading right and i was started reading it online while we were setting up and oh yeah it's like that's a perfect opening sentence you know school is very good at teaching kids to hate reading <laughs> yeah really <laughs> like, oh exactly well, right man if i i would uh, jeremiah and jeremy i wish i'd had you as a teacher back in elementary school oh, or wherever huh? i mean god you guys know what you're doing you obviously have a good good handle on that so, um, uh, I, in searching around, just in our pre-production here, I noticed um, that there was competition for this, and uh, the very first uh, audition, I don't know how many there were, was not you. So, uh, can you tell us how... Wow, the, uh, I wasn't aware of that one at all. Uh, it was uh, presented as an ACX uh, independent book. And, uh, golly, on those... Uh, the uh, uh, me as a narrator will look over there and see what's available and uh, send in an audition. And sometimes, if I've got a project, I let go the ACX stuff go if I'm heavy on a deadline for uh, 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 
a better paying project. Mm -hmm. So uh, I found myself between books and I looked and I said, oh, this one really looks wonderful and I'll audition for it. I had no idea that uh, it had been granted and probably fallen through the cracks somehow. Oh no! It hadn't been granted. I, like there was a uh, page on the uh, Jeremiah Kleckner's blog, you know, showing, um, you know, this is this is we're doing an audition mm-hmm. for this, and here's the first one. Vote for it. Ah, okay, okay, okay. I some authors do that, um, right. and that that's their entirely their business. Uh, people uh, like me will submit an audition and it depends how comfortable a rights holder we say over at ACX rights holders because sometimes it's right. not the author but in this case sure. it's the authors if the authors are, are brand new to audiobooks and I believe these guys were uh, and don't really feel they know the ropes that well mm-hmm. uh, they may not rely on their own gut hunch they'll say well here's these auditions they sound good to me but uh, here's my fan base who I know likes the book so what works for you? Mm-hmm. And uh, from what you're saying, that's what they really did is they put up a couple of the auditions to get some feedback on which ones do you like. I do remember on this, uh, sometimes you'll do an audition at ACX and you'll get an offer the next day. The The author has heard what they wanted to hear. They don't need to hear anybody else and they'll just offer you the book right away. This one took several weeks. So obviously these guys were accumulating material. They were listening to all of it, and uh, from from what you say from the blog, they were asking some of their uh, their fans or their readers or or their their beta testers. Some of them are called they call them sometimes. We're asking, hey, what do you guys think? Mm-hmm. And I noticed. Uh, I mean, it, this is one of those modern books that doesn't seem to have gone through the regular publishing route, uh, the old fashioned publishing route where. Uh, the publisher gets all the money, and <laughs> yeah, right. and the uh, the authors yeah have to do all the work. <laughs> right. Um, so uh, there's more than one style of art out there. Um, you know, looking at the art on Audible, it's it's fine. Yeah. But uh, it, it was not like you know it's going to blow me away. But almost none of them do. What is distinguishing here is, and I'm I'm really glad you know you, you pointed. This book towards me because I, I'm very cynical when it comes to modern books, and I'm like, you know, I should try new things. I just hate almost everything that's new. I'm with you, so- Jesse. I, I I'm so disappointed at most modern writing. Most, uh, I, I I've been blessed in the stuff I've been called to do for uh, for ACX, but uh, I I actually enjoy the independent self-published stuff sometimes much more than the mainstream uh, corporate. Babble or uh, word woos. I, uh, yeah. I, I that's from some sci-fi book from way back. I can't remember who wrote it, but it's uh, word woos. It's uh, uh, how do you spell that woos? W W O Z E. Yeah, that sounds. It sounds like wound and yeah, oozing. word woos. Yeah. It's it's it's, yeah. Co- it's close to goober reality. If you know that one story. <laughs> no, but I like oh it. goober, and I I wish I could remember all these authors uh, from from. My, you know, from my college days, the 60s and 70s, Goober Reality was this short story, which is very much like that uh, Minority Report, where Goober Reality is you're cons- you're con- you're you're surrounded 24/7 by advertising. Wow, and ju- just good. like the very much like, hey, you, John Anderton, you need a Lexus today, right? Right. And uh, this, uh, so Goober Reality w- was what that was described as. Every uh, the, it's not reality, it's Goober Reality. 
and uh, word woos was right up there. It, it's a it's a form of writing that is meant to seduce you, hypnotize you, uh, um, put you to sleep, and at the end uh, you think you've had a great experience, but you can't remember. It's like Chinese food, you know. You <laughs> two, two two hours later you're hungry again and can't remember a damn thing. <laughs> I, I just read a David Baldacci with it was right up there. Uh, I would call that word woos. It's uh, uh, a lot of sound and fury, a lot of words expended in telling a story that went in one ear and out the other. But this yeah. this book by by Mr. Kleckner and Mr. Marshall is just terrific. It it, it it's what writing is about. I, I it's surprising you know that I'm gushing and you're gushing on this. I think we should uh, maybe outline the book a little bit. Um, so it's I was gonna say it's a it's a alternate take on Peter Pan, but it's actually a prequel. I would say it's yeah or, it's it's the lead into how did Captain Hook grow to hate and become the fam- the greatest adversary of Peter Pan? How did this relationship happen? And I got to say, I wished I had read more of the original Peter Pan because I don't know how much background that Barry gave us. But uh, I know all of the uh, mythical elements of the Peter Pan story are here. Uh, there's mm-hmm. Peter Pan who can fly, and he's got issues with his shadow. He's got Tinkerbell, who, if you tell her you don't believe in fairies, she gets troubled. <laughs> she dies. Uh, you've got a crocodile. A very uh, crocodile that figures extremely prominently that has a ticking device in its stomach so that Hook can always hear when the thing is coming. And he's terrified of this because the croc took his hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see what else is there. There is this Neverland, which is this island off uh, that you get to when you fly and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, think happy thoughts. And it's populated by the Lost Boys. Interesting. Mm-hmm. No lost girls. It's all lost boys, right. and uh, they won't grow up. And they have great adventures in Neverland, and uh, all those elements are absolutely there and explained in great, convincing. Uh, fantaso realistic detail. It's, it's all there, and they they it's they, it's almost like a chess piece uh, or a, mm-hmm. or a jigsaw puzzle. They put all these elements together and reassemble them to make this new picture of who is Captain Hook, and everybody's rooting for Hook because he obviously uh, got a bad part of the deal. <laughs> I think it's I think it's even stronger than what you're saying in the sense that it's not just about Captain Hook. I think. I think it's also about Peter Pan, and I think Hook is right. I mean, reading this, I'm like totally on Hook's side. This guy, Peter Pan is a monster. Yeah, yeah. He's a, a self-indulgent little brat. <laughs> he, he steals people from their beds, convinces them, you know, with using all the sort of uh, things that kids like, with the power to fly for one, right? Yeah. Um, and then takes them off to Neverland where they forget who they're who they are where their parents are that they had lives and when they grow too old or they uh you know get killed in battle or whatever too bad too bad yeah luck of the draw peter pan treats them like toys right that's that's right that's that's actually how he's talks about the ship let's play pirates yes let's play pirates. let's play this he just turned a perfectly good young man who's just minding his own business trying to live up to his father's uh, shadow and turn him into a pirate yeah 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 set him on the course for evil um without you know 
And it's not because Peter Pan is, you know, made of maliciousness. It's because he's so childlike and so um, irresponsible and yet has, like I'm, I referenced that Twilight Zone episode where I, I can't remember the name of the one, but you know the one I mean. Oh, where the, the one with yeah. Billy Mummy. Yeah, that's right. right. It's Bill a wonder. Mummy. It's a wonderful something like it's a wonderful life. It's a great life. Yeah, it's a yeah. The, where the kid, the he yeah, the has kid the power to do anything. Right. right? It's he can wish you because you didn't please him in the right way. He can wish you no mouth, or right. he can wish you out of existence, right. or he just wishes the whole town is the only thing that's left in the universe. Right. Right. I and do. Yeah. I think it's not that he's made of evil, right? It's that that's what evil is yes. when you you don't think through the you know you don't have the responsible uh, adult attitude and think about other people's right. opinions. Right, right, yeah, it's exactly the same thing. Yeah, I think it was called. It, it's not. It's a wonderful life, or maybe it is. Uh, maybe Serling was. Uh, yeah, doing. You know, it's something on a variation on something that, right? very similar. Yeah, I, I remember. I, I remember that the 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 kicker on that was he turned a guy into a jack in the box thing, or uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we just see it in the shadow. Yeah, right? just a creepy, creepy thing. Yeah, but that's a, but really that really is a, a, a modern retelling of Peter Pan. That really is what <laughs> Peter does. And and yet, you know, when we think of Peter Pan, we think of you know happy fun, and and that's exactly. I mean, what what I was thinking about while enjoying this book. I mean. Uh, it was actually mostly in the breaks when I wasn't listening to it because I, while I was listening to it, it was it's so dense with you know actual stuff happening um, that uh, when I took a pause every once in a while, I'd think, oh yeah, this really this is really interesting. So Peter Pan, right? The name uh, is kind of interesting. It's got that uh, alliterative uh, punctuation, right? Mm-hmm. But but it. Also, the god Pan. God right? Pan, right? Um, what's he do? He's the god of shepherds, right? He's the he's the god of lonely shepherd boys in the mountains. Right? <laughs> yeah, um, he's the god of nature, um, and he's also the god of panic. Right, that's where the, that's panic where the word comes panic from. comes from. Right, and when you've got a herd of kids, right, and you say the wrong thing to them, they'll drive themselves out the window down into the street and kill themselves it's right wow it's um it's really interesting because pan the god also he has this thing where he he this is probably not where the where the the prefix pan comes from like uh you know uh uh panopticon or anything like that but it might it it ties into it so nicely pan was able to multiply himself infinitely oh i never knew that yeah and uh, in some tellings of this so in one sense peter pan is if we think of him as sort of the child you know certainly not the horny goat god version of of pan but the the childlike you know uh wanting to stay young forever version of pan the the god of wild wildness not coming in when dinner's called Mm-hmm. Uh, sort of young guy, Pan, um, that fits really interestingly into what happened in the late 19th century when uh, Barry is working on this, right? Which is children and childhood become a thing. It used to be that there was just babies and then adults. Right, right. right. And then children's literature and the, the children, 
children's focused culture so that children childhood was something to be valued and something to be enjoyed and something to be encouraged by parents because you don't want to have your it's very uncouth to have your children in the in the factory when they're 11 years old 11 right? years old right right we, we, yeah it, but they're getting married at 12 and <laughs> yeah really really but it took until uh, roosevelt and stuff to have child labor laws in the u.s i, I think it started sooner in in britain but but yeah but there was a culture of this there was sort a of turning it away right yeah, turning it away yeah. from that um traditional view of of what children and childhood was like and so barry he's sort of the he's the peak of this, if you know, we talked about and Len. Yeah, and because it is so much about staying young forever, and I mean, it's really it's completely anti-science in such a great sense that when you go to the theater and you're watching Peter Pan be performed, right? Who believes in fairies, right? Yeah, right, and right. Anybody who doesn't start clapping is killing Tinkerbell, yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, this is this is what. Um, you know, they're, 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 this is the weird dichotomy. And this is why I wish we had Mr. Jim Moon here, because he could explain this much better than I. Ah. But in in that late 19th century, you have this, this sort of the push-pull of, you know, science is teaching us everything and bringing us into a better understanding of the actual world. But it's killing uh, all the fantasy. All and, the fantasy of, of, of being a childhood and, and, right. and, and innocent, yeah. And fairies. Remember Arthur Conan Doyle, the guy who is supposed to be uh, exuding rationality with Sherlock Holmes, is also oh yeah 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 the, the fairies that are completely fake, right? But he, despite all the evidence presented, he just wants to believe. Every, he wants to clap his hands and say yes. Yes, oh, I believe in fairies. You you, and, you set me off on a thought that yeah, I, the the whole idea of of childhood as a special time comes from this era. I yeah. I was also remembering however that uh, or I was uh, amazed when I discovered one of my favorite books growing up was The Best of Sick Jokes. <laughs> and there were several little ditties in there called Little Willy Ditties. And I didn't realize until I looked later, once everything became available on Amazon, those are a remnant from the Victorian end of the uh, same time period we're talking about when there are these little rhymes, which are just horrible about about little children, which it seems mm-hmm. almost a, a, a reaction to, oh, here's childhood Absolutely. and it's a wonderful time and, and – and, uh, I'm trying to remember some, uh, uh, Willie with a thirst for gore nailed baby to the door. Yeah. Mother said with humor, quaint, careful, Will, don't mar the paint. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there is, uh, there is a, um, a combination, you know, sort of the, the rough and tumble, uh, let's get out there sort of uh, boy's own adventure. Oh, yeah. Fiction. And then there's the opposite, which is this very gentle J.M. Barry style where it's, you know, you've got the dog who's a nana, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that cute? And then the girl and the boy and the t- kids who can fly and they go off to fight pirates. And so um, I, I think I started thinking about this process. And this is sort of, to me, sort of the symbol of how good the writing here is, is that when James and it's Hoodkins, yes. right? Not uh, Hook. Right. Um, is is confronted by Pan 
on that night comes in. He breaks the bottle. Yeah, he with breaks his father's he, ship. His his the, the one that hook made by hand and, and built lovingly and uh, a, a, a replica of Daddy's ship in a bottle. Right. And uh, yeah, Pan just and picks protection up, of it. Yeah. Right, it's the idea. He breaks it, and on what night is it that he comes? It's the night before his thirteenth birthday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's still a child, right? He comes on the night just before Pan comes at the very last minute mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. take him away to Neverland. He says, "Come with me. We'll fly and be irresponsible and have fun forever." All these illusory promises that are—they seem great, mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. but it makes me think. Oh, geez, Wendy and the other kids—they got a lucky escape, right? <laughs> really, <laughs> really. Uh... I'm trying to think. I think actually one of uh, – yeah, right. He does mention Michael Darling, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, Wendy and that family was the Darling family. Right. So Michael Darling, actually, we see him as a as – a, a, I, I believe he we see him as a returned adult or something like that. We see him as a, as a failed adult uh, who has managed to escape somehow, but he's never quite the same. And uh, I want to talk to you about this. Uh, so you've read the second book because you've narrated the second book. No, I haven't. No, I haven't, oh, I haven't oh, done I the second. No, I haven't done the second book. We've uh, – we're uh, the, it's, a, it's a funding problem. What? Yeah, oh my god, they got to do that. They got to do that cuz this is this was terrific. I saw that there was a second book. There I is just one. assumed right. I just assumed there was an audio book too. Well, there should be if there isn't. Um in, oh, we're working well, on then, it. We're working on it. Here's here's my question. So I have all this uh you know Smee, right? Yes. Smee is another character from from the uh original. Yeah. He is um He's always Captain Hook's boatswain or mm-hmm. boatswain, I guess. It's boatswain. Boatswain. boatswain is how it's it's, it's spelled, spelled boatswain and it's pronounced boatswain. Boatswain, right? I love English, right. <laughs> and it means uh, a, a swain is a young man, right? Mm-hmm. So our boy, mm-hmm. which is fun. But Smee, to me, when uh, I I didn't notice it at the time. Uh, when I saw the original cartoon or when I read the play, it didn't mean anything to me. But they do an interesting uh, backstory for Smee in here um, that he's you know found adrift, yeah, uh, yeah. saying this one word over and over again. It's Smee, very mysterious. Smee, Smee, Smee. Right. Yeah. And then we get the reveal that uh, he's saying it's me. Mm-hmm. It's me. It's me. It's me. Right, because um, uh, in the pirate attack where he was cut adrift, his mother in 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 the, the the heat of the moment trying to fight off pirates actually stabbed him, and he's trying to say, "It's me, it's me." Right. There's um this I think is interesting too because it it is also you know in the way that all of these names. Um, I mean, Captain Hook, it's not really the name of a, an actual pirate. You know, Blackbeard's in here. Right? Yeah, no, I love that they he, they put so many real-life pirates in here. They and also fake, pi- uh, fake pirates, right? right? We have uh, Long John Silver. Long John Silver and Blackbeard and uh, Jesse LeBet. And uh, I'm trying to think mm-hmm. who else is. Uh, those are the but, ones that's- but we're mixing, right? Because Blackbeard's a real pirate. Right, right. right? He's a real pirate from history. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Long John Silver isn't. 
Uh-huh. He is a real pirate from history. He's from Treasure Island. From Treasure right? Island, right. But we're mixing. And uh, what's cool, I don't know if you've seen, There's a there is a pirate show on TV. I'm trying to remember the name of it right now. But there's a current, uh, you know, uh, pirate TV show. I think it's filmed in uh, Australia. And they do that. They mix, um, you know, Captain Teach with uh, uh, Captain Hook. Uh, not Captain Hook, with... Uh, with Long John Silver, so they're you know m- mixing in real history, uh, the Pirates of Tortuga with you know the fictional uh, Robert Louis Stevenson pirates, and sort of blending that history and massaging it together so that we can go to fantasy land sometimes and come back to reality uh, as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, in the sense that it sets things up for uh, you know deviations from history, and I like the way that. Um, Kleckner and uh, uh, Marshall. Marshall. Kleckner and Marshall sort of uh, do that here, right? Because uh, we've got mostly, uh, I think everybody's fictional, um, but we've got Blackbeard that ties us into the reality. And then there's the, the second reality, which is the original play. Right. Right. Uh, Je- so, Jesse Labette, I do have to point out, because I, I went through this with them, was a real pirate. Oh, Jesse Labette mm-hmm. was a real pirate. Yes, interesting. I th- and uh, a couple of others, but Jesse, I think, uh, did did actually actually ply in the Caribbean. So uh, this this character of Smee, right? Yes. There's actually uh, a story from 1929 uh, by an author named A.M. Burridge. It's a really cool story, and it's a it's a kind of a ghost story. Uh, it is a ghost story, and it's about this game. Um, that it was it was like a house party game. This is before movies and TVs, right? People, yeah. you know, you had to have some clean fun, right? Yeah. And it's basically a game of uh, hide and seek. Hmm. Um, it's played in a in a house, usually a you know mansion with lots of rooms, and there's lots of house guests, and it's played mostly, uh, presumably, by children. But uh, in uh, the Demolished Man by Alfred Bester, it's also played, which is fun. Um, and it's actually part of the murder, uh, in, in that great science fiction novel. But, um, the way the game is played is, uh, one person is designated, oh, sorry, no person is designated the it. What happens is the lights are turned out and then a certain amount of time is counted and then everybody scatters off and hides. And, uh... Uh, or maybe there was one person left. One person left is goes and l- looks for uh, everybody. But when they meet them, they don't uh, say tag you're it. What they do is they hide with them. It's another name for this game is a sardine. Huh? Because you you would hide in the, in wherever they're hiding, and when you meet them, uh, you say it's me. Oh wow. Right? And because it's played in the dark, uh, the idea is that uh, you don't know who me is. Uh-huh, right? uh-huh. Everybody is, it's me. It's me, um, it's me. Right. And so you get that word, it's me, it's me. It's me. Wow. Right again. Um, in, the, in that 1929 story, um, it's a ghost story because one of the players is a ghost. And Ooh. the, the, the <laughs> characters show up and you know you hold hands with the person you're with so you know how many people are left before the the loser is the one who's it is the one who never found out where everybody was right uh-huh. when everybody gathered together and 
uh, it turns out that there's two groups in this case because one of the players was from a previous game. Ah. When one of the games went bad, fell down some stairs. Or and so uh, the 1929 story is not the origin of this uh, game. That's that's a retelling of it. It's retelling of it. Right. So it, it, it had been around at least a, a while, obviously. It, it, I think it is probably precedes the Barry. Um, and that that's where he gets that name from, Smee. Wow, interesting. Isn't it? That's really fascinating. That's really... There's, yeah, because in the Broadway show, all he is is he's like the uh, the second in command. And his, uh, his, uh, he was the yes-man for Captain Hook. It's a tarantella. What tempo, Captain? Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, he, he's, he's Hook's yes-man. And that's, that's the joke with Smee. Whereas in, in, in the uh, Captain James Hook book, he's a pretty formidable antagonist most of the mm-hmm. book. He's, uh, he's uh, not, not friendly to, to Hook, and he, he causes him quite a bit of trouble. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was reading also on uh, Kleckner's blog that there was um, – he, he, he was sort of relating the idea why, that, why does um, Hook or Hoodkins have a sidekick right, in, in William – why does he have that character in there? And if we are doing this sort of stripped down, let's just do the straight up storytelling. Why is that character in there? Um, it, I think it actually works really well because it is that responsibility, right? Yes. That, that Hoodkins is uh, – he is a child, but he's trying to live up to the responsibility his parents are placing on him. He's got this double-sided sort of – Reality where his mom is really kind and storyteller and tells fantastic tales, right? Right. And the father is stern and serious. And he wants to please both. But ultimately, <laughs> he can't because they're both dead. Right. right? Well, and, and, and it's also because of the girl, because it's her brother. Right. And right. Uh, his promise to his love of his life is he will watch out for William. That's uh, his responsibility. I mean, that's that's his first step towards manhood, really. Exactly. And this is this is in opposition to, to Pan, who, what does he want from Wendy? He wants her to be his mom. His mommy, yeah. Right. Now... He, this guy's in, he's really old, right? He's immortal. He's yeah, been around yeah. forever. And he wants this 12-year-old to be his mom. Right. And to tell him stories. Um, he actually doesn't. It, it, it makes me, like, totally on on uh, Hook's side. And you can see why he he's doing everything. And it, the book is so well-motivated because it really takes this... Uh, what if What if the picture we're seeing is... You know, if we compare it to reality, w- would you want this to happen? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and the answer is no, no. <laughs> not at all. Yeah, it's 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 uh, it's really quite a stunningly good achievement. I I, I cannot say enough praises for this book. I, I've really kind of very taken with it, as you can tell, and I can see you are too. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, there's so many things that um, that you know when he when Pan says uh, I'm taking them to heaven. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, his heaven is not. Uh, it, it is a kind of heaven. It's a child's heaven. Yeah, right? and it is. That, and the uh, the the reverberations of death involved are very strong there too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the um, the the resonance for Neverland. Right. I was thinking. Well, it's actually 
you, you know, go off flying and you never land, right? Right, right. Um, because you never come down from that that high. But uh, I tell you, if if we are watching the beginning of that play and the the Peter Pan character says, "Come on, kids, just step out the window. We're only six <laughs> floors up. You'll never land. Don't worry." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that that's a monster right there, right? Yeah, I mean all yeah, come on kids, let's jump out of windows now. I wonder how many kids actually have tried that. Uh, how many kids have tried to jump off the roof and fly? I I never did it. Uh, I had friends with capes who tried it. <laughs> I may admit to that on a later date. Uh, <laughs> um uh the the other thing that is interesting is that is Neverland is almost a real place. I'm reading another book right now, another really good book. It's a, a nonfiction book about etymology, etymologicon, it's called. Wow. And uh, it, there's a mention of Neverland um, in that Barry may have got the name Neverland from a place, a real place called the Never Never, which is in Australia. Oh, interesting. Where, where they have crocodiles, of course. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. It's so far away, uh, you know, it's on the other side of the world for people in England, that uh, when you you do, are, you're sent off to Australia, right? You you think, oh, it's a terrible place. And you never want to go there. But the problem with Australia is, as a punishment was that it was actually really nice. Right? Ah, ah. <laughs> so they ended up not sending... Uh, they stopped sending their prisoners there after a while because they thought, you know what? Um, this is too nice. This is supposed to be a punishment. <laughs> <laughs> People would just, you know, stop uh, stop hanging around in their punishment camps and go out and uh-huh. har- farmstead. And, and not, you know. not, not like sending convicts to Georgia. Exactly. Well, <laughs> it's pretty hot down there, yeah, too. I don't want to offend <laughs> any Georgians. Sorry. <clears throat> There's some... Um, there's uh, one other etymological um, thing in here. It's not mentioned in the book, but I, I think it's it shows the impact. And uh, obviously, even just this book, um, Captain Hook and the Curse of Peter Pan, uh, shows the impact of of how big Peter Pan was at the time, and I guess how still big it is. It it it's probably not in the public imagination uh, imagination as much as as Harry Potter is even you know after a few years yeah. but but it's pretty close which is Im- mightily impressive um and this is mentioned in that etymologicon book as well um Wendy the name was not a girl's name until that play came out and then women started getting named Wendy interesting i think i'd actually read that somewhere else that Wendy was not a name until until Barry made it and uh, it was probably uh, a con i was an inter- I, I discovered what was it um well, under uh, jonathan swift there was a uh, vanessa mm. vanessa was a made-up name jonathan swift really? made up uh, yeah what was her name vanessa something like henrietta henrietta uh van Nummery, and uh, he uh mm. took the van from her last name and uh the last half of her first name and invented this name vanessa Hmm. That uh, that was a popular book in its time and still popular. Yeah. Um, I guess it, uh, if we're doing a competition, we'll have to see how Hermione does. Uh, <laughs> really? That was, 
That was a, that was a uh, a real name though. I, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I except before uh, Potter, all I could think of was Hermione Gingold, which is a very, yeah, very different uh, kind of uh, meme. <laughs> Indeed, uh, but that maybe there's maybe Snape. I don't know. <laughs> we have to look for uh, uh, the the etymological evidence, archaeology in uh, hundred years. How these names the come up? Yeah, uh, that's right. But uh, yeah, I, I'm very impressed with this book. I'm glad you uh, you pointed me to it. And well, I, I I know it wasn't really your main bailiwick as no, sci-fi, not really. but it was so good and such a romp for me as a narrator. And I I can totally see you enjoying every syllable because this is it's such a great performance and it, it is a really meaty role. It, it's you know the whole book is told in an English accent, right? Right, right. Uh, yeah, and, uh, they 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 uh, in audiobooks they always tell you that uh, 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 as a character you can do something that's not your native dialect, but you really mm-hmm. shouldn't do a first person that's outside your native dialect because natives will tell and they won't like mm-hmm. it. But in this case, it's uh, it's a hundred years ago. It is not a contemporary British dialect. Dialect. Uh, it is very much what I remember from the fifties of mm-hmm. say, Cyril Richard. It's interesting because I have noticed as an actor that what we used to do in nineteen fifty as a British dialect is so over the top by today's standards, <laughs> and it's because of, of, of media. Because what's mm-hmm. happening with accents is it, we're we're getting this leveling. We're we're losing regionalisms all over the planet. And what what a British accent is now is 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 very close to what we used to call Mid Atlantic, or even even not even as as thick as what we used to call Mid Atlantic. Mm-hmm. So uh, a British. So if yeah, if I go and try to do a contemporary book with what I think of as a British dialect, it is not uh, believable because it's not what's spoken. But this is fantasy, and. Um, so the King's English, uh, can you can get by on it, and but I, I've spent a lot of my life doing British and being paid for it at times. So um, this one just sang to me, so I didn't mm-hmm. have to do much of the work. It did, it, did it. You know, it's 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 not just an old guy either. You know, it's not just Captain Hook, old man. Right. Uh, it, it what what I was reminded of. You know, I've heard all your um, your Burroughs, uh Well, all your first books of the Poirot series mm. and um, it, it reminds me this is that kind of you know swashbuckling adventure with, with a young hero a heroine right yes it, it is that same sort of vein and it's like all of the practice that you've been getting over on how to make an audiobook um, it's it, this is completely flawless and Thank you, you wouldn't know yeah I I'm like very impressed. Thank so. you. No. Oh well, I've got to say that I, uh, my wife, I, uh, after I was done, she was playing it back, and I, mm-hmm. I couldn't walk into the room while she was listening because I would get mesmerized. I would, oh mm. wow, I, I would just get sucked in by by the mm-hmm. story again, but uh, I, I, I didn't get in the way of the story. Let's put it that way. No, you, you did a really good job. I'm. Well, thank you. I, I, I think. They they'd be very unwise not to stick with this great horse that they've got. To, uh, uh, they want to, as I say, with the, the, it's the finances is the problem. Uh, well, an independent maybe the book needs to be uh, uh, 
you know. Well, frankly, let me tell you, Jesse, let me tell you, frankly, this guy's a sleeper. It needs to be selling a lot more, and it deserves to be selling a lot more. Yeah, yeah. So if we could do a shout-out right now to your listeners at Amazon.com, guys. Not Amazon. Go to Audible.com, please. Look up Mm -hmm. Captain James Hook and the Curse of Peter Pan. Buy it. Subscribe to it or buy it a la carte, however. Please, this is one heck. Uh, I'm, I'm being family friendly. This is a really fine audiobook. Please mm-hmm. buy it. It deserves a lot more exposure. You know, um, the, uh, the Amazon, there's not very many Audible reviews yet. But I think that this book did well enough in ebook. It must have to, you know, make the authors confident that the audiobook would do okay. Yes. And the reviews on Audible, uh, sorry, on Amazon, are excellent. Uh, there's 66 reviews, and it's like four and a half or higher. Right. In stars, um, no two stars, no one stars. There's nine percent three stars. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't, I don't know. You can't please everybody, but people are. Yeah, one one guy said, here is a review of the narrator. It says, masterful narration. That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, on the Audible, we've gotten about 10 reviews, and almost every one of them has been a superlative. Um, We've had a couple. I I think we got one two-star on the Audible. Someone, it just wasn't their cup of tea. You know, you Mm -hmm. don't know what people are looking for. No, some people are looking for big, long, uh, you know, Crunchable book. Or they may be looking for something that little Billy at five would enjoy. You, you, you don't know. And uh, the, it's something for everybody. But uh, this is an excellent, excellent piece of work. Uh, the writing mm-hmm. is superb. Uh, um, uh, I got to say, uh, uh, as narrations go, this is pretty damn good. Um, it, it, it is an under undersold masterpiece let me put it that way it just uh, uh if 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 jeremiah and jeremy had the marketing budget um this would have the sales it deserves it's it's oh, a question yeah. of it's a question it, it just isn't getting in front of people enough because if it did you know it sells itself yeah it sure does I, I was skeptical, uh, you know. <laughs> I get lots and lots of people sending me audio. Well, that's why I, I kind of pushed it a little bit at you. You because did push it a bit, but um, you did write. And, you know, the thing is, is I've talked to you a lot, and I know you have really good taste. You you spent many years doing uh, Burroughs. Still working him. Still working him. There you go. And and uh, you were, you're not completely, uh, you know, you say, this one's better than that one, Jesse. Yeah. <laughs> Right? Yeah, so it's not like you're you're completely uncritical, and I know you're uh, you're a reader not just of audiobooks as a narrator, but as a reader of books as well. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I took that into consideration. I was a little bit skeptical, but I was uh, I I have had my faith renewed. Now that not to say I'm going to give you a blank check in future. I wouldn't even try to take advantage of it. It's- but uh, you did a you. You sold me well on this one, and I, I really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you taking the time for it because, uh, like, I, it's a good piece of work, and it's uh, mm-hmm. it's science fiction really is just a, a modernization of fantasy. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's with me sometimes with technology, but uh, it's it, it really is in your bailiwick. It it, it and mm-hmm. in what your listeners would would enjoy, I think. 
I, I, I have no idea what they enjoy, but I really enjoyed it, and um, I, it, it made me think really critically about that great story of Peter Pan, and it made me think, you know, wow, uh, you know, I just sort of accepted it all on face value, and now I'm like, yeah, you know, Hook was right. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna go back and watch a, a yeah. play or yeah, we, something and say, no, Hook's the hero. That's right. I skewer that little brat. Come on. <laughs> Well, uh, it, uh, well, I do have to say that, and I'm I'm really glad that we really haven't done a lot of plot spoilers, and oh. so it, so guys, it's not just what you know about Peter Pan. There is a very interesting plot here, and Jesse mm-hmm. and I has been very good about not doing plot spoilers, but there is a heck of a really interesting pirate story here too, and I know that uh, Jeremiah and Jeremy did. Um, a lot of research about pirates, so there's a lot of uh, – it's not so much a mythical pirate world out there. The, the pirate world is pretty mm-hmm. pretty real, um, a little more real uh, than, let's say, Pirates of the Caribbean, which uh, – but it, it's, it's, it's on a par with that. It is uh, – it's been researched. Uh, like I say, we've got some real pirates out there. We've got some fake ones, but uh, – what. Uh, I gotta say, my my biggest pride in this was it's a story full of pirates, and I realized about two thirds of the book through that I hadn't done an R type pirate yeah. at all. I hadn't done that once, and that's about the time we met Long John Silver, and I said, "Ah, it's time to bring in this kind of talk. <laughs> it's time to bring in this kind of an accent." <laughs> This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com.